As much as Apple had major product announcements this week, we'll focus on them for this episode. First, we'll hear from Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books. Later on, Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show and The Loop at LoopInsight.com. We'll also explore the ins and outs of Google from someone who spent two years researching them from inside in the Plex, Stephen Levy. All this and more this week on The Tech Night Owl Live. First up at the starting gate, we have Adam Inkst of Tidbits and Take Control Books, and we've got something to crow about. Not too long ago, Adam and I had a discussion where I guess we both predicted the selling price for Mac OS X Lion. We came up with a figure $29, same as the previous upgrade, which was, of course, for Snow Leopard 10.6. Well... Apple sort of met our demands, requests, or wishes. The price for Lion will be $29.99. Okay, so we're $0.99 cents off. Maybe it was done for spite. I mean, we'd have to go back and check, but we could do that. But I'm pretty certain that we were going for the 29 We We wanted it cheap, and, you know? Well, maybe it wasn't spite then, my friend. Maybe Apple heard us and said, we don't want the night owl and tidbits to be wrong. We'll make it $29.99, just slightly different. What is this thing about 99 cents for a price? Does that make sense? Oh, it's just age-old marketing nonsense, and Apple requires that for everything in the App Store and Mac App Store, so that's why it's a guarantee that it'll always be at 99. It's one of those things where apparently, and I'm utterly depressed that this is true, that a very large percentage of the population sees 29.99 and thinks that's cheaper than 30, which it technically is by one cent. But the amount by which you believe it is cheaper than by 30, as, as statistically speaking, is significantly less, and hence the 99. That's why gas prices go to 99 hundredths. Is that it? Yep. It's this psychology. Somebody out there, Sigmund Freud or somebody, said, we decree that it will <laughs> always be 99 cents at the end of every price. <laughs> I'm not sure it's Freudian. I think he was more into cigars. But nonetheless, yes, it is. It, that is true. And there is, a, you know, apparently pretty good marketing research behind this. Personally, I've always been a little offended by it, which is why you'll notice that all of the prices for our take control ebooks are even numbers, like ten dollars and fifteen dollars. But when we sell them in the iBook store, it's nine ninety nine and fourteen ninety nine because those are the only choices. What bothers me about the Lion upgrade is not the price. I think the price is excellent. What bothers me is the fact that you have to do a double upgrade if you're not running Snow Leopard. So, you know, if you have Mac OS 10.5, you didn't buy the Snow Leopard upgrade. 
you have a Mac that's eligible, which is, of course, a 64-bit Intel chip from mid to late 2006 and beyond. That's five years. Pretty good time frame there for upgrades. But if you didn't go for 10.6, how do you upgrade to Lion from Leopard? You have to buy a second upgrade. As far as we can tell, that is indeed true. And that's actually going to be quite interesting because Apple, for the most part, once they move to a new big cat, the uh, previous cat stops being available. I don't know what's going to happen in terms of those Snow Leopard upgrades, if they'll be remain readily available because people will still need them. Yeah, from everything we know at this point in time, there is no way to jump from Tiger or Leopard. And there are indeed some Tiger machines even that can run Lion. But uh, we don't know how you will move those up uh, short of upgrading to Snow Leopard. Unless Apple would offer... As an alternative, and I could see the sales pitch for this, a physical retail DVD, all right, not $29.99, make it $39.99, retail DVD, that would be a combo upgrade product. It doesn't make sense to have to buy two upgrades to get one. And if they did it as a DVD, they presumably wouldn't need even a combo, that it would just take you all the way to Lion. I call it combo because it'll mean it'll take you with whatever you have to the latest and greatest. I understand as a practical matter, if you want to make it only in the Mac, App Store, you need 10.6.7 or later. And you're not lying. I don't believe I'm lying about that. There's a whole bunch of questions here. Uh, The word from WWDC is is that people are asking them and um, and Apple is thinking about them, but there have not been answers yet. So, let's say you have an office of 10 Macs. Do you have to download Lion 10 times? What happens if you have bandwidth caps on your internet connection? What happens if you don't have a high-speed internet connection? There are still plenty of people out there in the world who cannot even get high-speed internet connection. You know, what if you're an enterprise? You're not going to let people do this stuff at all in the Mac App Store. So there's all sorts of questions which we have not gotten answers to at all, and yet we're going to want to find out. Well, the Mac App Store is strictly for consumers for the most part because it allows you to have your product run on up to 10 devices. And we assume that a home user has a single Apple ID, maybe a small business user. But a large corporation will probably have to go through their enterprise department to contact Apple about mass user licenses. I'm sure there's got to be a way. That's just the thing is all of these scenarios, there has to be a solution. The solution may be ugly. It may be, in fact, go find Snow Leopard and upgrade from there. Or it may be take your computer to somewhere where you can get a high-speed connection. Nonetheless, we still need to know what Apple what Apple believes those answers are going to be. So if I live out in the countryside, somewhere in Montana, in the plains, miles and miles away from the nearest broadband access, I get dial-up with my local phone company. So I have the choice of waiting a few days to get a copy of Lion. I have a friend downloaded for me, but then it's on his account, not on my account. I mean, it's screwy. Yeah. You know, I don't know if, I don't know sort of how the downloading it on different accounts works. We don't yet know the extent to which it'll be transferable from machine to machine, even if it is your account that you download it on. I would think you can just copy the file over. Um, it's not that By simple. By AirDrop. Well, you won't have AirDrop until you It's not that simple sure. because the, you know, and Joe Kissel is looking into this sort of stuff for take control of upgrading to Lion. One of the things that we've heard from various people is, is that apparently it actually tries to delete its installer when it's done. So you can't just copy it. Lion deletes its installer? Yep. That's Ew. the theory. Um, so Lousy theory. 
Um, you know, well, you know Lion has one good benefit, though. It follows something that I think Apple cribbed from Micromat, where it sets up a tiny partition yes. with Lion. So if you have to reinstall your OS and, you know, your installation is trashed, you could supposedly hold down the option key and you'll see that startup disk option there and you could restart from this little partition unless of course your entire hard drive is trashed and then it doesn't matter yeah and that's precisely the question is okay so what if your whole hard drive is trashed because that's actually much you know more likely than anything else and the you know the recovery partition is not going to help you in the slightest at that point but Maybe you can copy the recovery partition to a, you know a USB flash drive or a DVD or something like that. There's just I mean there's all sorts of questions here, and you know honestly, Joe Kissel is is going to be the expert on this stuff because he knows more about this than anyone um, for his upgrading to Lion book, and I know he's working through all of the various various uh, scenarios and trying to figure out what the possibilities are. But until Lion, first of all, until it completely settles down, because things are still changing under the hood in fairly significant ways until it settles down and until Joe gets a chance to really, really track down what the possibilities are and hopefully get someone at Apple to just answer questions. We won't know. Just questions. I guess sometimes in the effort to make things very simple, as simple as possible, you create complexities because that <laughs> simplicity is only in a very narrow framework. You're running yeah. Mac OS 10.6.7. You have a speedy broadband internet connection. Yeah, and and keep in mind again, we we just uh, we did a uh, an article about this on bandwidth caps. A significant percentage of the population, over half of the half of U.S. broadband accounts now that AT and T has gone this way, have bandwidth caps. They're pretty high, 250 gigabytes, 500 gigabytes a month, things like that. But you know, if you're doing Netflix streaming every day, if you're doing a whole bunch of stuff that's going to be synchronizing automatically with iCloud, et cetera, et cetera, we might hit it. And those people who, for instance, have satellite internet connections. We all even want to get into that. We're hitting this limit here to say that we have Adam Inkst. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Okay, so who is watching your home when you're not there? Help protect your home with a security system monitored by ADT. It's the leader in home security. Remember, ADT is the number one monitoring service in the country. It comes with world-famous ADT yard signs. The monitoring cost is just $1 a day. You probably pay more for coffee. This is the safety for your family and your possessions. You can save up to 20% on homeowner's insurance. Just call Protect Your Home, your authorized ADT dealer. Call now and get $850 of equipment and activation free. Call 1-866-778-3127. Call 1-866-778-3127. And here's our fast disclaimer. $99 installation charge, 36-month monitoring agreement at $35 to $39 per month. Call for terms and conditions and license numbers. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. How would you like to rev up your metabolism and energy while lifting your spirits? Now a new healthy tea is available that will do just that, and it's called Zoom Tea. Zoom Tea was developed for a former welterweight boxing champion to increase his energy and focus in the ring. Zoom Tea is an alternative healthy pick-me-up that can replace coffee, common tea, or soda. Zoom Tea also helps remove radiation from the body, promotes weight loss, and is high in antioxidants. For a limited time, get our introductory price for a one-month supply of this amazing tea for just $20 or a two-month supply for only $35, and we'll pay the shipping and handling. Go to our website now and start feeling the healthy and energizing benefits from drinking Zoom Tea. Go to ZoomTea.com. That's ZoomTea.com. Or call toll-free 877-341-4769. 877-341-4769 today. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Adam Inkst of Tidbits and Take Control Books. Go to tidbits.com to learn it all. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl live. We're talking about the Mac OS X Lion Conundrum. $29.99. We predicted $29. We were off because Apple decided to spite us. No, they didn't. <laughs> and we have to consider here the upgrade is very simple. If you have a Mac running Mac OS 10.6.7, you have the Mac App Store, you buy your copy, you download, you install. Simple. If you're not in that category, if you're running an older version of the Mac OS, but your Mac is within this five-year time frame of compatible hardware, you may have to do a double upgrade unless Apple 
changes their ways, and we wonder how possible that is. And as Adam tells us, Joe Kissel, who's written thousands and thousands of books in the last week alone, is thoroughly researching the line installation, trying to get answers from Apple. The situation is still fluid. We're several weeks away from the release. Since it's only going to be available as an online download, theoretically, on July 10th, Apple could finish it. On July 11th, it's available like that. Yes. That's one of the things that we are, you know, I won't say concerned about exactly, but, you know, for those of us who actually pay attention to uh, to release dates, and we, we, we like to have a little bit of advance warning so that we can know, but, you know, I think if Apple is just going to do it truly is just going to do this just on the Mac App Store, first of all, all those lines in front of Apple stores go away. No one's lining up, and you know, and there's no reason for Apple to give us the week's notice like they used to necessarily. So, you know, it's a it's a big question as to what this release is going to be like. It's kind of a you know a little bit of a brave new world here. I guess it's an experiment and a learning process for everyone. We have to see how it shakes itself out. Yeah, absolutely. And we have to see whether it works the way Apple hopes. As you were mentioning before, we did the break. People who have satellite internet. Now, are there severe restrictions in terms of download bandwidth? I know that upload speeds can be pathetic. And you have this latency issue because it takes a couple of seconds for your signal to go back and forth to the satellite a couple of times. I haven't talked to anyone in one of these connections very recently, but uh, but as I remember from previous conversations, there is usually a cap on the amount of bandwidth like per day, actually. And so, you know, and so you, when you go over that amount, they can just shut you off for the rest of the day. And, uh, and so I don't know if, for instance, trying to download four gigabytes of Lion over a satellite connection would even work necessarily. And we're also just thinking mostly about the U.S. at this point, but in other parts of the world, bandwidth caps are even more commonplace or people are paying by the bit. So they'll be able to download Lion, but it will actually cost them way more than that twenty nine ninety nine once they're done paying for their bandwidth. Now, is the Mac App Store worldwide, or is it still just U.S.? It is worldwide. Um, so yeah, because we don't. They don't the, the main problem that Apple has with the worldwide stuff, it, frankly, is music and, and videos because that's where the licensing um, gets really wacky. With the iBook Store, there is some of that, but publishers, when they make a book available for sale in the iBook Store, get to say which markets it is available in. So Apple is not actually kind of dealing with the licensing there. It's more a matter of what the, what the publishers are able to do and what they choose to do. Now let's look at Lion, what we know publicly, what can be said publicly about Lion. We understand, obviously, things have to be a bit fluid since we're a few weeks away from release, although you'd think most everything is being nailed down by about now as developers get possibly the last crack at suggesting fixes and bug fixes and making their software compatible. One of the things, of course, is the iOS integration. We have more of those gesture support. Now, the thing I worry about gestures is you reach a point where this house of cards tumbles because there's so many different gestures, four fingers for this, five for that, the thumbs, the nose, whatever. It gets so confusing, people can't figure it out. I do think there is something to worry about there. Honestly, we we had your overload. We've had a number of gestures for a while. How many do you use? Um, Just right off the top of your head. How many do you use? How many do I use? I don't know, three or four mostly. I use one. Two-finger drag to scroll. That's it. Okay. 
you know, I don't use the three finger this or the four finger to do the sap switching, any of that. And partly I don't do those things. You know, I haven't, and I haven't thought this through entirely. This is, you know, straight off the top of my head at the moment, but I would argue that, that what works in iOS is different because you feel like you're interacting directly with what you see on screen. Whereas, because, and I don't think they're wrong about this, because Apple has said that it makes no sense to, to have a touchscreen Mac. They basically, you know, you can't work with your arm stretched out in front of you. Because of that, obviously, the gestures take place on a trackpad, and so that it is separate. But to my mind, that's a fairly significant cognitive jump. And so, you know, I, you know, we'll see if the gestures really catch on and people people use them but it does feel to me as though it's not as obvious it's not it's not tightly linked when you make a gesture that something will happen on the mac screen whereas in ios you just start the gesture and something happens so you get that feedback immediately that this is how you do it also you can experiment my wife has begun to use an ipad and you know it's taken her a while she's not an expert at personal computers she loves the ipad because she can figure out most things she might yeah. ask a question every so often but she'll find some way to make it work maybe it's not the authorized version but she'll find a way and you wonder when you're adding all these crazy gestures and i gather microsoft in their bid to have as many features as possible is going to be adding more and more gestures to windows 8 plus the veneer of a Windows Phone 7 interface. But if you think Apple has too many gestures, I bet Microsoft will look at their bullet points and PowerPoint and say, well, <laughs> Apple has 24, we'll have 48. <laughs> yeah, I do think that gestures are, are very easily overloaded. I can and think of one gesture people will make, but this is a family <laughs> radio show. Yeah, you need Connect for that anyway. Right. Well, we're not going <laughs> to... You know, I have to tell you also... Personally, I don't use that many gestures because the mouse I use on my desktop Mac is the Logitech MX Revolution. I don't use a magic mouse because it's too low. It makes my wrists ache. And I don't use a mouse at all. I actually use the Contour Designs roller mouse, which is a track bar. So on my desktop machine, I never use gestures in the slightest. And I only use them on the laptop. And as I said, that's partly why I only use the two-fingered scroll, because that's enough like using the scroll wheel on my, on my roller mouse that I, the, the, the thought processes transfer over. And, you know, again, Apple, what I'm, what I'm mainly hoping is, is that some of these things that the Apple's talking about that are going to be done via gestures will also have keyboard, keyboard controls, you know, just like uh, you know, in expose, you can you can choose your key to to show the desktop or to show all the application windows, and hopefully those things will remain available because gestures just aren't going to work for everybody. If nothing else, I suspect that they fail um, certain accessibility uh, problems fairly fairly seriously. You know, that if you just don't have that level of manual dexterity, you can push a key, but you may not be able to, you know, swipe with three fingers in a particular way. Or you can try a different kind of swipe, which is smash the darn thing against the wall <laughs> if it really frustrates you because this could be maddening. And I hope Apple has thought this out. I mean, I see Lion with lots of possibilities, which we'll get into in a moment. Adam Inks joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, 
lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! of the Rockaway, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Go solar for cheap. Want to use solar power, but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123CheapSolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123CheapSolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486. Reduce your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123CheapSolar.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Did you know that billions are spent every year just for a simple drink of water? But it's the quality of the water that Americans are concerned with, especially after floods, hurricanes, earthquakes, and other disasters that routinely disrupt and contaminate water supplies. Safe drinking water is too important to leave to chance. That's why you need an AquaRain water filtration system. The American-made AquaRain is an essential survival tool that operates for just pennies per gallon. It lets you retrieve water from lakes, ponds, streams, or rooftops during any disaster and assures you of healthy drinking water. The stainless steel Aquarain's patented space-age ceramic and GAC technology uses microfiltration and gravity to purify water. No chemicals, no electricity, no water pressure needed. And Aquarain's cartridges last for thousands of gallons. Aquarain is hands down the best water filter on the market. Call 800-572-2051 or go to Aquarain.com. That's 800-572-2051 or Aquarain.com. Every family needs an Aquarain. If you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800 880 Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite. 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightall.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightall.com. We return lying on the table or growling or on the mountaintop. I don't know. I guess they should have James Earl Jones doing the commercials for Mac OS X Lion because he is the Lion King and he's still around, you know. Story about James Earl Jones. He became an actor because he stuttered. He had a stuttering problem. Adam Inks joins us in the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. That's true, by the way. He had a stuttering problem. He still has to think sometimes. That's how I got into radio. I had a stuttering problem, so I got a tape recorder. You know, this is years ago when they had tape recorders. And I played my voice back and said, that's awful. But you know what? I can make it better. Yeah. I, I understand that stuttering is one of those one of those strange problems that has all sorts of causes and effects, and pe- some people can recover from it, some people can't, and it's always nice when someone can can listen to themselves and figure out what they're doing wrong and resolve the issue. Either that or I have a huge ego and I say, oh, that guy sounds good, doesn't he? No, he doesn't <laughs> think that. I know. You have to learn, though, when you go into this kind of thing, you have to learn how to listen to yourself because most people can't stand the sound of their voice. That's certainly been true for me. I, it was weird. Someone was asking me, our son Tristan is 12, and someone was commenting, I wonder when his voice is going to change. And I was thinking back, and I don't remember my voice changing, but I have a fairly high-pitched voice anyway, so maybe it didn't change that much. Who knows? Well, yes, you're, you're a tenor, basically, but do you sing also? Not in the slightest. Okay. <laughs> if you wanted to learn how to sing, you're in the right register there. At least it works. Get back to Lion. Looking over... Everything Apple has, all the eye candy, 254 features. Some are ridiculous in terms of features. They're almost like... a cancel. You can cancel a transfer in AirDrop. There's a feature. Woohoo! I can't wait. (laughs) I tell you, I'm doing it tomorrow. But seriously speaking, the thing that really impresses me, although it's been available for years by third parties, is autosave. Uh, the second I've, thing is versioning, which is taking capabilities you've had in things like Photoshop, where you have multiple layers of a project. I think that's good. We have different states of a document. And you can go back to them. And also resume, assuming that apps don't have to grab specific tools. Resume means, folks, that say, for example, you restart your Mac, your entire desktop, all the open apps, layouts, everything, all the open documents, recreated. So I think I autosave doesn't frankly excite me particularly because obviously we've had it in various forms since 1984. I think the main trouble we're going to have is that autosave and versions and resume have to be explicitly added by developers to their applications. And what that means is is that we're going to be in a world where Half the applications do autosave and half of them don't. You won't know which ones do which basically without checking. And so, you know, the whole idea that autosave is going to prevent you from having to ever hit Command S again is, I think, a little bit troubling, at least in the short term. But that's kind of troubling, too, because, you know, third parties since the 1980s have been able to make almost global 
auto save utilities. But right. basically, they're just automating in the background the command S function. Yeah. You think Apple could do better? They own the OS. That's the problem is that they are doing better. But see, here's the other thing, which is that autosave is not necessarily a good thing. I very frequently in BBEdit, for instance, open a document, paste some text in there, work on it for a little bit, and then put it somewhere else. Never save the document. BBEdit is actually saving it in the background. Um, if I crashed, BBEdit would in fact save it for me and, and come back up if I lost power. But the document is not explicitly saved at any time. Plus, there's times when I'm working, this actually used to be a bigger deal, Panorama, the database I use very heavily for our royalty system, um, has built in in, the, in version 6 a truly cool autosave and versioning program so you can go back. Um, but before they did that, I would actually very very often not save because I was working on something that was potentially damaging. You know, I'd, I'd run some procedure that would oh, eat my database. I would, I would hope you can disable it for an individual application. I well, hope. you can individual it for an individual document, okay. not an application. So for a document, you can say it's quote-unquote locked, which means that autosave won't kick in and you have to save manually. And it will do that automatically for you if the document hasn't been touched in two weeks, which is a little strange also. But, but what I'm saying is, is that it can be done right, but that you have to really think about it because there are a lot of apps where you want to play in them. You want to experiment. You want to do stuff with the whole idea being that you're not going to save what you want, what you're doing. And so it's got to be it's got to be very easy to get back to that state of, you know, well, I'm going to go off on a little bit of an experimental path here, you know, and with a, with a full expectation that I'm not going to want what I do. And so I think that people are going to have to put a little bit more thought into autosave than perhaps they're considering at the moment. Well, Apple tries to make it so simple that the granular approach where you have all these exceptions on the sidelines, we have to think, we have to see how they consider that. It's like, for example, the upgrade path. They think Mac OS 10.6.7, Mac App Store, no problem. They don't think about all the people who have other ways of doing things. Maybe 90% of the people can live with autosave as it is, but 10% of the people say, wait a minute, this isn't the way I do my work. Yeah, and I think, you know, I said, so So maybe it's, one, in, in this case, it may be one of those situations where, you know, 90% of the people, or maybe, you know, 90% of the people for 100% of their tasks are in this case, and that, you know, will, will be served by autosave. And the small percentage of us who, one, have a very good sense of when we're saving and when we're not, and know that we can experiment and then quit, you know, close without saving, is very small and already savvy. So we're the ones who may get quote-unquote hurt by this, but we're the ones who can handle it. So, I, you know, so maybe that may be fine. Um, versions, I'm going to be very interested to see how well it works. It's pretty easy to see how versions would work with relatively simple documents that aren't very long or they're mostly text-based or they're you know, sort of obvious. But again, is it going to be easy to compare versions of a spreadsheet? You know, how do you? How, what about a database? How do you compare your database in a in a time machine like view? So it feels to me as though that may be more troublesome than people think again. Than just you know, oh, it's so obvious. You know, here's my little brochure, and I, here's the one where I had the graphic, and here's the one where I didn't have the graphic. I can see the differences. That's easy. Not so easy as when you're comparing your FileMaker Pro database, where you've got this script that did one thing versus the script that did another thing, how do you see that difference? 
maybe there's an, maybe there's a good answer for that. Maybe not. I don't know. But I, it's not nearly as cut and dried as I think Apple would give, lead us to believe on the face of it. Now, some things are almost so logical you wonder why Apple didn't do it. Resize from any edge. Oh, you mean like Windows has done for years? Yes. Sorry. Yeah. That's one of those ones as an author. I mean, I I did a first book where I actually took Windows screenshots back in 96, I think. And, oh, that's so nice for screenshots. Do you know how hard it is to resize a window to just the right way when you've got only one point, which you can do and you're you're constantly trying to grab? uh, So much easier to be able to resize from any any side. So that's that's a big boon. Took Apple all these years to figure that out. Now, these scroll bars are kind of weird because, as you know, let's just consider this, the difference between front-wheel drive and a rear-wheel drive car. And so, for example, in the old way of scrolling, you'd scroll down while everything went up. In other words, you're pushing it. You're pushing (laughs) it up. That's rear-wheel drive. Apple says, let's do front-wheel drive, which is when you scroll upward, it goes up. When you scroll down, it goes down, not the reverse. Okay? Yeah. They basically changed everything, again, from rear-wheel drive to front-wheel drive with the scrolling. Supposedly, you can defeat that. Now, I guess part of that is to ape the behavior of the iOS on an iPad, iPhone. You push it down, it goes down. You push it up, you go up. And you have the scroll bars appear only when you actually touch the screen. Now, in Mac OS X line, it's when you basically take your mouse and point at something. Anyway, we have Adam Inks of Take Control Books and Tidbits. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Devon Think is a reliable information organizer, smart document manager, productivity tool, and more all in one. Devon Agent is your smart research assistant, personalized search assistant, search engine, and web browser all in one for the real answers when you search. Order these apps today. Use the coupon code TNO11, that's TNO11, for 15% off all there at devontechnologies.com. That's devontechnologies.com. Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroitin 60 caps, summer sale priced at only $12. Colon Enhancer 250 caps, summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. 
Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C? We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is, Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma. MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent, boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the usa place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793 877-747-2793 call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com that's reusablecanninglids.com for tadler reusable canning lids the original since 1976 are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Adam Ingst of Tidbits and Take Control Books. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're on the Tech Night Out Live, dissecting Mac OS X Lion. So in Apple's efforts to make behavior on the Mac ape behavior on the iOS, are they doing something a little too screwy here? It's a really good question. <laughs> I have to admit that I fear that this may be one of those situations that, again, it makes sense when you are touching your document with the finger. That in iOS, where you have direct manipulation of what you see on screen, different things make sense than when you are remotely controlling a view of the screen, which is more what the Mac is like. So, yeah, I'm not sure it's going to work. What I'm actually more perturbed by in terms of the scroll bars is the fact that they don't appear until you start to scroll. And the reason why that perturbs me is that scroll bars are not merely a control. They are not merely something that you use when you want to scroll. Scroll bars give you 
both size and positional feedback. When you look at a scroll bar, you can see, for instance, I'm looking at my email here, and I can see that my scroll bar is about three inches tall. The, the elevator box, sorry, is about three inches tall and out of a, maybe a seven-inch window size. So that tells me that I'm seeing nearly half of what I've got on screen, you know, what's in that window. Whereas if I load a web page that has a bazillion comments, my scroll bar is, you know, half a, you know, a quarter of an inch high on the, you know, the full eight inch size of the screen or whatever. And that tells me that I've got a lot of comments there. Similarly, if my scroll bar is that tiny little lozenge in the middle of the thing, that tells me I'm in the middle of the comments and there's a whole lot both above me and below me. And so, just being able to glance at the scroll bar tells you something about the amount of contents in the window and where you are and how much of them you're seeing at the current moment. And so to not be able to get that without trying feels wrong to me. It's got to be there. If it's not there, you know, you've got a problem. You're more at sea than you used to be. And it's not like, I mean, when you reveal the scroll bars, they'll tell you that information. They still do the same thing. It's more that you have to ask for it. The scroll bars are, take up sufficiently little horizontal, you know, little room that it makes sense to show them in my mind on the Mac as opposed to an iOS, where certainly on the iPhone, you've got so little room, anything you can save or make contextual only, you know, that does make sense. But in the Mac, we have tons of room, particularly horizontally. So in Apple's efforts to simplify things, they make things more complicated. In the waning moments of the session, can you tell me here, what do you think are the best, most powerful, most compelling features of Mac OS X Lion? <laughs> huh, that's a good question. Can, do I, can, I, can I qualify this? Because I think one of the, one of the things is, is that I'm not certain that for long-term Mac users that Lion is going to get us a huge amount. I'm not so much a naysayer, but I'm not excited about the features that I am seeing from Apple and Lion as far as how much they are going to make a difference for me in my work life on the Mac. On the other hand, for... People who are relatively new to the Mac, people who are coming to the Mac after using Windows with an i you know with an iPad and thinking, wow, this is really good on the iPad. Maybe I'll maybe I'll go to a Mac. I think Apple is doing some really really important stuff to make people feel more at home. Launchpad, for instance, you know, for me is going to be a disaster. I have I don't want to know. 700 applications on my hard disk, you know, it's just going to be worthless. But for someone who has 40 applications, you know, Launchpad is going to be a really nice way to get to them where they won't necessarily know where they are otherwise. Um, uh, full screen apps. Again, what I've seen in iPhoto is a full screen app. I'm not tremendously impressed. But for someone who is a little boggled by multiple things happening on the Mac at once, um, certainly doesn't have two monitors, that kind of a situation, full screen apps are a good thing. So I think a whole lot of this, the ossification of, uh, of Mac OS X, for instance, I don't think it's necessarily good for the existing Mac users who are comfortable with how they use the Mac, but I think it's very good for Apple in the sense that they're bringing more people into the platform. So it's all about people buy the iPhone and the iPad, 200 million iOS devices. 
The Mac user base is 54 million. Apple would like to see 100 million or 150. If you make it easy as possible for people to migrate seamlessly from an iOS device, that's good. You notice one feature in Lion is Windows migration. <laughs> Same thing. The migration manager will allow you to transfer from a Windows machine. This is part of Apple's goal. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think the thing that, and I did an article about this, that I think what was most interesting to me about Apple's uh, WWDC keynote is Apple basically said, we can take on the world. We've got the desktop. Look, here's Lion. We're going after Windows. We've got mobile computing. Here's iOS 5, you know keep up with this Android. And they said, we've got iCloud. Here's our answer to Google and Facebook and Yahoo and all of the other kind of um, uh, cloud services. Not that iCloud is designed to just sort of compete with them out, out of the box or you know, off the, off the bat, but iCloud is Apple's way of doing it. Just like Apple didn't just port Mac OS X to the iPhone, like sort of the way the way Microsoft did early on, um, Apple looked at the concept of cloud computing and said, "Where we think it's important is in building it into applications." And so they're making, for the most part, iCloud into something that developers will use in their Mac and iOS apps to have them become cloud enabled, to have have data transfer f- fluidly and uh, between all of these different services. And, and I think that's going to be kind of an, in- you know, an increasingly interesting uh, perspective. And so Apple did all this in two hours in one keynote. You know, that's the mark of a company that is on top of the world. I just think what Microsoft's going to look at this and say, Lion's going to be twenty nine ninety nine. We're selling Windows upgrades for one ninety nine and two ninety nine. What are we going to do with Windows eight? Well, Microsoft spends much more money to develop an operating system than Apple. Microsoft needs that money to survive because they depend on those high feeds for high profits and the salvation or sustenance of the company. What are they going to do? How are they going to compete with that? Yeah, I think. At this point, Microsoft is largely selling Windows into different markets, honestly. And so the with the, like the Windows migration built into into Lion and Apple Apple hasn't seen the need to go after Windows. In, in, a, in a really direct way. I mean, if you look at it, Windows is, where Windows still is very powerful is in huge businesses, you know, where they're buying thousands and thousands of seats at once. Um, and similarly, at the very, very low end of commodity hardware, where they need to, you know, they need to put something on it and, you know, the user experience isn't going to be great, but you're only paying 200 bucks for your netbook, so who cares? And so, you know, so Apple has... And I think this is in some ways a co- the correct move is that they've just said, we're going to build the best possible product we can, and if people want to use it, that's great. But we're not going to actively target other people because as soon as you do that, you're playing their game, not yours. And Apple's all about playing its own game and letting other people try to keep up because Apple knows full well that, you know, you know, if you're doing stuff sufficiently well and sufficiently quickly, no one else is going to be able to copy you quickly enough to, to actually take significant chunks of the market. 
So when Microsoft imitates what Apple does, it's two years later and Apple's already on to doing something totally different. Precisely. And the only, I mean, the only place where I think that has not worked quite as well is with Android. And that's partly because, you know, Google is fast as well. I'll tell you what, let me ask you the hard question of all, Adam Inkst, what do you have coming out in Take Control Books, and where do we get a hold of you? Well, what we have coming out, hopefully very shortly, although uh, we can't promise a date because Apple hasn't given us a date either, um, is Take Control of Upgrading to Lion. But people will have to just keep their eyes peeled for that. In the meantime, the the books that we have, we just put out a bunch of really cool books. Um, The best one is Take Control of Speeding Up Your Mac for everyone out there who has ever thought, gee, how come this is taking longer than I think it should? Joe Kissel has written the definitive work on how to make your Mac faster. Um, and then we've got a bunch of others. He, he upgraded Take Control of Troubleshooting Your Mac if you're having any problems with it. Uh, and uh, we did Take Control of Text Expander and Take Control of Scrivener. So There you go. There you go. Utilities all over the place. <laughs> Adam Inks, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you, Gene. Coming up next on the show, we go in the Plex with Stephen Levy. What kind of Plex? The Google Plex. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Stephen Levy, author and commentator, joining us. And we're going to talk about a couple of things later on, of course, Apple's WWDC announcements. But first, his latest book, something he hinted to us last time he joined us. And it is something that I think a lot of people have waited for. Real insight into how Google works called In the Plex how Google thinks, works, and shapes our lives. And of course, you know, in the old days, we used to think of Microsoft as the evil empire. And now more and more people think, well, Google seems to have its hands in everything we do. Is Google the evil empire? What do you think, Stephen? It's amazing, Gene. Um, You're among a lot of people who ask that question. Google, of course, has its unofficial motto, don't be evil. And now here's a lot of people uh, thinking they're this Darth Vader-ish uh, evil empire. I don't think Google really is evil. But I do think that the idealism uh, that the founders started with, uh, as often happens when a company becomes big and successful, uh, gets mixed in with self-interest. It's uh, the 
the corrupting influence of the ring, you could say, that uh, at a certain point you think, well, we want to do good, and then you say, well, we're good, so anything we do has to be good, and you wind up doing things that might have seemed uh, appalling to you how they've been presented uh, when you were just starting. So I think that when Google began, if you had said, hey, what do you think about uh, doing elaborate tax dodges, uh, not to pay all your taxes, and they would have said, well, we're not going to do that. And you know, and when they went public, they said, we were always going to do the right thing, and uh, our shareholders should know that we want to sometimes give up profits if it's going to be good for humanity. But Google, you know, because of their well-intentioned, they think pretty much anything they do is going to be good for humanity. So uh, it's tough to separate that out. But by and large, I don't think that they're predatory uh, intentionally, and I think that uh, they still have some ideals. Now, how do we contrast them with Microsoft? Do you think Microsoft, we always think Microsoft has always been evil. Didn't Microsoft start out as, you know, just a company trying to produce products and make a living? I think that one essential difference when you talk about evilness, and I don't want to say Microsoft is evil anyway, either there. You know, it's, 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 it's quite a, a, a label to tag on a, on a giant company which does some things that are good and some things which maybe aren't so good. But uh, I think a big difference in the two companies is that Microsoft, from the very beginning, had a very big competitive strategic component. Uh, they were always very concerned about how they were going to do in the marketplace. And here's our enemy. Here's who, who we're going to place ourselves against in this portion of our company there. Uh, Google doesn't really work that way. Google says, this is an area we're interested in. We want to go into this area. And they don't really care who's in that area there, whether that uh, company is a friend or a competitor or what and what kind of complications are going to come when they go into that area. Uh, you know, these issues could have come up when Google went to the mobile space. As it turned out, they offended uh one of their closest corporate friends, which was Apple, but they just go ahead and do it. It's like Baby Huey in the China shop there, just just busting things up because they want to want to do that. Whereas I think Microsoft always had a, a big strategy, like here's our foe and here's how we're going to knock off this foe when we get into this area. Of course, Microsoft isn't doing so well these days at knocking off foes like they used to. But we wound up to get a, a company to uh, uh, join them in the mobile thing, which was a, a pretty good strategic move. And when they got Nokia signed up. We'll have to see how that works out or whether the people who are also carrying the Windows Phone 7 products, like, for example, HTC, are they going to say, well, why should we do this if Microsoft is going to devote all their attention and pour money into Nokia? That's true. That's, that's another area there. But I think, you know, that seemed like a bigger win for Microsoft than for Nokia as far as, as I was looking. But okay, anyway, let's go back to Google. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> let's back go back to, to the Google. Okay, back to Google. You gained this long-term access how? Is Google, everything they do, pretty much open? Or did you have to have special clearances? How did you set this up? So Google has, has always been a hard company for journalists to cover, uh, particularly as, as it got bigger. Uh, it was a little more open in the earlier days. And I was fortunate enough to be covering them from an early stage uh, when they were you know, more open, when the founders had more time uh, and inclination to talk to journalists. And uh, we developed a, a level of mutual trust. So when I asked them to pursue this project, it was in mid-2008 uh, when I started this, 
And uh, I asked for unprecedented access. Really, I wanted to talk to anyone in the company uh, who would, would help me in the book and sit in a number of meetings and uh, basically hang out at the campus for a long time. Uh, they said yes. I think this time coincided with a feeling among some at Google that maybe they were too closed up. Uh, they adopt an open policy in terms of uh, technology. They, they embrace open software. And maybe some people in the company felt that we should be more open as a corporation and here's a way to do this is to let this fellow in and uh, get a better look at uh, the company than any outsider had gotten previously. So that worked out uh, for me, and I hope Google feels it worked out for it. Now, part of this is expectations. What kind of expectations did you go into the project with? Well, um, I didn't know what I would find. Uh, that's the, why, the re- one reason why I like to do these projects is I like to learn. I like to uh, 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 come across stuff and ideas that I hadn't come across before and and, and tell stories that hadn't been told before. Uh, so my expectations were uh, to come up with, with, with things that no one had heard before. So I, I think I met those expectations. Um, I think that there were some, some surprises about Google in, in some senses. In other senses, I found what you'd expect. It was a, a, a company which was, you know, uh, centered around technology. It was super ambitious. Um, and, you know, in, in some senses, it was a lot of fun. Once you observe Google for this long period of time, going out, what do you think the people who are just users of Google's products and services would be surprised to know about the company? What would amaze them? Well, I, I think it's amazing, uh, first of all, the way these products work. We use this all the time, and we use Google Search all the time. Uh, people may not realize how it really works. Uh, the Initially, uh, and this got uh, publicized, the breakthrough was this thing called PageRank that uh, sort of used a crowdsourcing uh, method uh, to determine which websites were more prominent, and um, it, could, it could tease out through the links which results will be more relevant, but uh, people don't realize that over the last 10 years, Google has been training the search engine using machine learning techniques, techniques of artificial intelligence, to really learn about the world on its own. So it really is an an AI project uh, which is smart about the world and you know can you know uh, you know like learn things almost like a baby learns things, uh, and it you know it knows a lot of things there. So the the, the extent to which Google uh, pushes artificial intelligence into its project is is different. Uh, likewise, the way the ad system works, uh, I, I learned a lot. It's been described as a black box by a lot of people um, because it has a lot of counterintuitive things in there. It's run by an auction, but it's a, a very strange kind of auction where the highest bid doesn't necessarily get the prize, the prize being the prime placement um, on the right side or above uh, the organic search results there. Um, Google you know, manages to make predictions on how many people are going to click on those ads uh, and, uh, and forces advertisers to make better ads. So I was able to explain that system in a way I hope that uh, it hadn't been ex- explained before uh, so just a general reader would get a real deep sense of, of that. So, so that's a couple things. That okay, so I look at the ads that are placed next to my search request. So Google is using fuzzy logic, artificial intelligence, whatever, to determine that that particular ad would be best positioned on top and number two, number three, etc. It, it, it knows where the, the you know the best positions are, 
but it, it puts them in the best positions depending on basically how good an ad it is, meaning how many people are going to click on it. So it's able to make predictions. So therefore, in the basic sense, the more relevant an ad is to the search query, uh, the more you know, the lower a cost Google is going to charge for that ad. So if I'm, uh, you know, uh, if I'm a, a user who's looking for information about, uh, you know, the Big Green Egg Barbecue, uh, someone selling accessories to the Big Green Egg Barbecue is going to pay less for an ad than someone selling salmon steaks. Okay, right? we'll get into more of this in a moment. We have Stephen Levy. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Remoter VNC. Use it to control your computer right from your iPhone, iPod Touch, or iPad. There are no monthly fees. It's priced at just 99 cents. You get Mac screen sharing. You also get Windows and Linux via any standard VNC server. And again, it's only 99 cents. You can check it out at rafsoftware.com, rafsoftware.com, or the App Store. Search for Remoter. Devon Think is a reliable information organizer, smart document manager, productivity tool, and more all in one. Devon Agent is your smart research assistant, personalized search assistant, search engine, and web browser all in one for the real answers when you search. Order these apps today. Use the coupon code TNO11, that's TNO11, for 15% off, all there at devontechnologies.com. That's devontechnologies.com. How would you like to rev up your metabolism and energy while lifting your spirits? Now a new healthy tea is available that will do just that, and it's called Zoom Tea. Zoom Tea was developed for a former welterweight boxing champion to increase his energy and focus in the ring. Zoom Tea is an alternative healthy pick-me-up that can replace coffee, common tea, or soda. Zoom Tea also helps remove radiation from the body, promotes weight loss, and is high in antioxidants. For a limited time, get our introductory price for a one-month supply of this amazing tea for just $20 or a two-month supply for only $35, and we'll pay the shipping and handling. Go to our website now and start feeling the healthy and energizing benefits from drinking Zoom Tea. Go to ZoomTea.com. That's ZoomTea.com. Or call toll-free 877-341-4769. 877-341-4769 today. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. 
Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightall.com slash radio that's technightall.com slash radio or check us out at iTunes we're back with Stephen Levy and the book is called In the Plex why do we call it the Plex by the way Stephen well Google Plex is the name of the headquarters there and it's sort of a, a continuing the uh, pun on its name uh, Google uh, is a mathematical term for uh, the number one followed by a hundred zeros or used generically as just a really big number and you know it's uh, it's misspelled from the mathematical term uh, because that's the way they can get the the, the domain name but uh, a Google Plex is known as you know this giant number mathematically so you know they, they call their headquarters the Google Plex and and ver- in the vernacular, they shorten it to sometimes the Plex. They say, "Are oh, you going to be working in the Plex today?" So uh, I was in the Plex, and that's the name of my book. Okay, one interesting thing to ask you here, and that is with regard to the companies who get the placement, can they cheat? Well, you mean through the ads or through the organic search results? Either way, you know, a company obviously, you know, you have a product or service to offer. You know that if you get a high ranking in Google, you make more right. money. Right. It's perfect. Right. Yeah. Can they yeah. cheat? They can definitely try to game the system. So let's talk first about the organic search results there. They, uh, you know, there's an entire industry called search engine optimization, right. uh, which is devoted to jacking up the status of companies in Google to to. Put the you know give a higher ranking uh, for a given query to this company or or, or, or that company or this uh, news site or whatever uh, because the higher you are in the Google rankings the more traffic you're going to get and it turns out to be a huge influence and businesses are won and lost by their placings in the Google rankings so um, I compare it to coaching for the SAT uh, there's a certain amount of coaching. That's being done, which just makes you smarter. If you learn how to do an algebra problem, you're learning how to do an algebra problem, uh, and that's 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 fair game, right? So there's certain things you could do to a website uh, that just makes it look better. Like if you put the uh, the 
the, your subject is the title of the website uh, and you, you know, have better information on your website, uh, yeah, you're going to be more useful uh, to people, but you're also going to get a subsequent boost in the rankings. But then there's other things that some of these testing services teach for that have nothing to do with knowledge, but it's sort of like teaching the techniques, the, you know, the, the, the game of it there. And, you know, and that isn't necessarily good for the users. Um, that, and, that, and that maybe might drive more relevant results down. And this is something that Google has to fight. And Google, it's an arms race between uh, the, the optimizers and Google, who wants to try to serve its users by the results. You know, that's one thing, too. You get all these ads from companies say, I'm going to make your Google ranking higher. And you give me so much money, I can do it. Can they really do it? Is that just a scam or what? Well, yeah, they can do it. And some of the things they tell you to do are simply in the realm of, of making it more useful. But the other things they do are tricks that may work for a while, but it, as you know, Google sees that uh, they're affecting the results, it's going to address. And Google has constantly updated uh, its search engine. It's like you know, just the same as Windows undergoes big reorgs, you know, big big you know the uh, revs every every few years. Windows ninety five, you know, Windows Vista, you know, Windows seven. Uh, Google has similarly big updates. But it doesn't announce them. These are all done in stealth. And I was able to mention some of these in, 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 uh, in the Plex there. And what happens after these, hap- these updates come out is there's a big reshuffling. And some places that have used the, the gaming system to get the results suddenly find themselves, instead of high rankings, just get knocked down to the bottom. And that has a, like a big effect on them. So it's like live by the sword and die by the sword in search engine optimization. So basically, if you have a site with good information... Everything clear, easy to reach, and you're developing a following. You get a better chance to be treated fairly by Google than just taking any old site and paying somebody a couple of thousand dollars to game the system for you. Of course, and, and there's certain things you do. Obviously, uh, the, the number amount of people who link to your site has something to do with it if, if they're quality people there. Sometimes people, you know, create these link farms, which is sort of Potomkin villages of websites. You know, websites that no one visits is linked to your site, and Google can recognize those. Um, but if you want to, you know, one legitimate way that people say, you know, that you could increase your ranking is if uh, if the New York Times links to your site, you know, uh, for a given category, Google takes that very seriously. It's called the signal, which uh, it counts very highly in Google's algorithm there. So if um, the New York Times, you read an article in the New York Times and it says Stephen Levy. And that's underlined, and it's a link. You know, it happens to click click to my website. That's going to give a lot of Google juice, as it's called, to my website and boost it in, in, in the rankings there. So uh, that kind of anchor link, as it's called, it is 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 something that sometimes people artificially try to get. But you know, you really can't talk the New York Times into. Uh, uh, you know, making a certain link and things like that. The very best ones are unimpeachable. Okay, so let's look at the rivals for a second here. Okay, Google has maintained a pretty steady market share in the last few years. Microsoft has been trying desperately to make a stand with Bing. They made this deal with Yahoo. So now, of course, it's Yahoo plus Bing, but it's still the same search engine. But combined, they're not making that much headway. Microsoft is basically cannibalizing Yahoo. What is Microsoft doing wrong? Can anybody beat Google? Well, Microsoft, uh, I, actually, they, they've, they've picked up a little 
market share in addition to, to just combining the, the two there. And that, you know, the, that merger was huge for Microsoft. And the reason is that in order to improve your search engine, uh, you have to uh, rely on a lot of data, a lot of information about how people use the search engine. I mentioned before the search engine is a learning machine. And Google's proven that's the best way to uh, improve uh, a, a search engine there. But in order to do this, you need a, a lot of, of information about the way the, the users interact with it. Um, you know, when a user doesn't like a result and goes back to the the search, uh, you know, uh, field and, and types in something else, you learn something about it. And then you watch what that user types in next. And that might teach you something about, uh, you know, what searches are related. Uh, so combining Yahoo and, and Microsoft search gave Microsoft, you know, like a, a bigger amount of information in order to improve its search engine there. So I think, you know, Microsoft is, is a credible, set, far second-place competitor now that, uh, you know, can slowly uh, try to build their share. One of the concerns I think people always ask now about Google is they have this humongous reach, so many people using their search engine, lots of people using, of course, their smartphone operating system, Android, and, of course, we have the Android system for tablet computers. We have the Chrome operating system that's coming out. Google has all this stuff, and it's all, of course, designed to basically get you to click on the targeted ads so they get a paycheck. And this is where they're going. People are concerned, I guess, about your personal security. Are you being basically compromised to use Google, and that's the question when we think about them possibly being evil. We'll get into that in a moment. Stephen Levy joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. You've heard a lot lately about zeolite, but what is it and why do you need it? Zeolite is a beautiful, complex, crystalline structure that encapsulates radiation and odors. Zeo King Zeolite naturally eliminates radiation poisoning your body may pick up from x-rays, security scanners, or nuclear fallout. 
Zeo King flushes environmental toxins absorbed from smoke, cell phones, and chemicals. So it detoxifies heavy metals, including mercury, lead, and cadmium. Zeo King Zeolite helps boost your immune system, allowing your body to balance itself and cut off food supply to cancer and parasites. Order your Zeo King Zeolite now from zeoking.com for only $39.99 and receive a free month supply with every order. Call 888-402-6779. That's 888-402-6779. Or visit zeoking.com. That's Z E O King.com for natural elimination of radiation poisoning. Did you know that billions are spent every year just for a simple drink of water? But it's the quality of the water that Americans are concerned with, especially after floods, hurricanes, earthquakes, and other disasters that routinely disrupt and contaminate water supplies. Safe drinking water is too important to leave to chance. That's why you need an Aqua Rain water filtration system. The American made Aqua Rain is an essential survival tool that operates for just pennies per gallon. It lets you retrieve water from lakes, ponds, streams, or rooftops during any disaster and assures you of healthy drinking water. The stainless steel Aquarain's patented space-age ceramic and GAC technology uses microfiltration and gravity to purify water. No chemicals, no electricity, no water pressure needed. And Aquarain's cartridges last for thousands of gallons. Aquarain is hands down the best water filter on the market. Call 800-572-2051 or go to aquarain.com that's 800-572-2051 or aquarain.com every family needs an aquarain if you're concerned about radiation poisoning from japan in the air water or food and can't find potassium iodide go to restoreyourhealthnow.com and choose liquid zeolite Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. HealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800-880-9976. Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Stephen Levy, and the book is called In the Plex about Google. He had this hands-on access in the Plex to find out what's going on. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. So what about the concerns of your security, the protection of your personal information? Are there dangers in what Google does? Well, certainly Google has a lot of information about all its users there. Uh, and there's different kinds of information. Um, you know, uh, some of it, uh, or much of it, is uh, solid into different parts. But overall, 
Google can know a lot about you, particularly if you're uh, as you know tens of millions of people are uh, you know registered users. You sign into the Google search system, and it knows who you are personally there. And Google actually wants to increase that number, uh, and you know, and get almost all its users uh, to you know. Uh, be using Google in a way that they know, you know, their identities as they used it. But even if Google doesn't know your identity uh, by your, you know, uh, IP number, IP address, uh, it retains information about you for a certain amount of months on your search history. So um, uh, it knows that the user of this IP address uh, did a certain amount of searches and keeps that uh, information for, uh, I think, 18 months. Uh, so we could, you know, as I said before, uh, use that to improve its search engine. Uh, Google also knows, because it owns a big ad display network called DoubleClick, which it bought a couple of years ago, where you go on the internet again it doesn't necessarily know it by your identity but uh you know, uh, you know, it could, it 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 knows uh, when you're using uh, the, the the system. Here's everywhere you visited on the web. But, you know, both places on, on uh, places on its ad network, which is the biggest one on the internet there. And then, of course, if you use systems like Gmail or Google Docs, uh, Google doesn't read that information, but it stores it on its servers, and you have to trust Google that it's keeping that information secure, and also that it's not using that information uh, you know, uh, for other things. You know, Google says it silos this information, but it could be very powerful for Google to, you know, use that in searches, say. Uh, you know, you have to trust that Google isn't mixing those things all together. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, right now when you do a Gmail, um, you know, Google will algorithmically analyze the mail and deliver an ad, but it doesn't uh, deliver search ads according to what you write in an email. Okay, so this is the big concern here. Did you see in going into Google's organization the danger of maybe going a little bit too far in terms of your personal privacy. Well, I think that there there were you know there are cases where Google didn't take uh, adequate uh, precautions about privacy. Uh, you know, there, it, I really didn't see any intentional uh, misuse, but I did see you know, uh, you know violations. Well, one of the, the most important violations was. Um, uh, when Google collected uh, Wi-Fi information that got personal informa- private information uh, over people's uh, open Wi-Fi networks, not protected by password, when it collected information about its street view. Uh, and that was a mistake, and you know, uh, Google admitted to that mistake. Uh, Google also made a mistake with its Buzz site, and this was something where you know, they thought a useful feature would be to um, uh, instantly create a social network based on your email contacts. Well, a lot of people don't want uh, everyone on their email uh, you know, uh, list to know who else they're in contact with. And uh, you know, th- this is something that was a consequence of, of, you know, of, of Google having you know, uh, one important feature uh, you know, that people used and trusted Google in, in terms of uh, an email client. Uh, and then it wanted to take it in a different direction and you know, really wound up abusing you know, the, uh, what, what people had set up as an email network, uh, trying to morph it into a social network. And Google realized its mistake and tried to address that. So uh, the, the nature of the errors that I see are you know, not in an intentional um, uh, you know, evil use of 
you know, abuse of privacy, but uh, a consequence of the fact that Google has so much information that even an innocent misstep can have bad consequences for people. Can we have too many more missteps, though? Is Google learning slowly from these mistakes, or will they just simply make a mistake in another area we haven't predicted yet? Well, maybe both. I mean, I, I think Google is learning, um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, uh, it, it has a, a very full agenda, and it, and it doesn't, and it really can't shy away from some of these risks. In order to compete with Facebook, say, uh, it has to, you know, go for more information. You know, what it's going to do is as it gets deeper and deeper into our lives, it is going to try, uh, because it knows it's dangerous ground, to do to inform us as much as possible about what it's doing um, and in certain areas get our explicit permission to allow it to use certain kinds of information about ourselves. Because uh, Google had this service <laughs> called Buzz, they tried. Is that right. showing us that maybe one of their biggest competitors, potential competitors, is Facebook? Well, Google knows this. It, it, it is, it's a huge competitor uh, for Google because uh, it has information that Google values very highly that Google can't get hold of. Uh, you go onto Facebook and you share your interest, you share who you're in contact with, you share what you're doing, and what you share what you're going to do. Um, and uh, this is very valuable information that could help Google do better searches and you know uh, deliver better ads. We have to see how that works out. The book is called In the Plex, and it's a book where Stephen Levy had direct access to the folks over at Google, went over to the campus, and spent a lot of time there to see what they're doing, what they can do, what they can't do. The other question, of course, being things well, I like... Over, I went over to China, too. I wrote a lot about that. Oh, boy. When we consider things like the Android OS and these operating systems, do you think on the long-term it's going to be the big gorilla there, too? Well, right now, it's the number one uh, system there. Um, so it, it's, you know, Google doesn't uh, exercise the same amount of control uh, over the, the ecosystem that Apple does over its system. Uh, but, you know, Google has surprised, I think, even itself in being so successful with Android. Let's move briefly here for the remainder of this segment and next to Apple and the WWDC and we had of course iOS 5 Mac OS 10 Lion and iCloud and it looked to me like they also heavily demoted the personal computer it's no longer the hub of your digital lifestyle it's just another device Microsoft must be freaking over this Right. Well, that's, that was Steve's exact language. He said, I'm demoting the PC. And, you know, I, I did a story, uh, we did a cover story in Wire just after the iPad came out. And, you know, I know we had to close it, you know, right after the uh, an announcement uh, in uh, early, uh, was it 2010? It's amazing how uh, recently the iPad really was. We think it's, you know, something that's been with us for years, but you know, it's still pretty young. Uh, and, I basically said, you know, this is really, you know, like an operating system war uh, that, you know, uh, Apple is, is, you know, reinventing the computer itself uh, with, with, with the tablet there. And what we saw at WWDC was really a three-barrel initiative to continue the, on, on that path. Uh, you know, he's making 
the uh, Macintosh work more like an iPad. He's giving the iPad and the iPhone also uh, capabilities to do things that previously only the the uh, PC can do. And they're opening, you know, a, a cloud initiative to you know let that happen, you know, uh, and and give those powers, you know, in terms of storage. To I'll tell you what, we get into I- this in the next segment. Hey, neighbors, let me remind you, if you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Out Live, write us, news at technightout.com, news at technightout.com, and we really and truly want you to participate in our new forums at forum.technightout.com. That's forum.technightout.com. You just sign up, it's free, and you're ready to rock and roll, and you're ready to participate in the discussions. We have Stephen Levy. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockaways. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockaway, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroitin 60 caps summer sale priced at only $12. Colon Enhancer 250 caps summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. Going solar for cheap is as easy as one, two, three. If you want to go solar but thought the setup costs were too high, now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch our introduction video at 123cheapsolarvideo.com. The video is free, but it won't last long. Save money on electric bills and get off the grid. Go to 123cheapsolarvideo.com right now. Our website again is 123cheapsolarvideo.com. Hi, this is... 
is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C? We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is, Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is a equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma, MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl. Live with Gene Steinberg. Stephen Levy. And the book, of course, in the Plex about Google. We're now talking to the subject of Apple, the WWDC, and all the announcements and how they have demoted the status of the PC to just another device. It doesn't matter. They're agnostic about those devices as long as you're buying Apple's products. Right. Well, you know, and even, you know, uh, they'll consider uh, PCs as devices these things go on. So, you know, when Apple with this iCloud service divvies out the photos, um, you know, they'll, you know, give you a photo on the iPad just the same way or your iPhone. Uh, You know, just, you know, if you take with the iPhone, it'll, it'll automatically go to the cloud and, and appear on your uh, your iPad or your iPod touch uh, or your Mac or Windows computer. And uh, if it's on the iPad, you don't have to say, oh, I'll wait till, till I get to my computer, to my laptop, uh, to edit the photo, to, you know, to, to make it look nice. Uh, now you can do that right there on the iPad or the iPhone, uh, get rid of the red eye, enhance the photo, and do these other things. Okay, so Apple reports having 200 million iOS devices out there. There are 54 million Mac users, according to Apple. So we see here that a lot more people are going to buy Macs rather than PCs because they want that seamless integration. Well, they're do- they're doing it already. They they showed uh, Steve showed a, a slide uh, that was for the last I think you know three or four years. Uh, every single quarter, 
uh, the Macintosh outperformed the PC market in general. And in the most recent quarter, the, the, the Mac uh, uh, grew like a 28% or something, and uh, the general PC market went down a percentage. Uh, so people are, are using it more. Uh, and, you know, uh, even more important, they're using iPads to do some things they previously did on their com- computers there. Well, now we look at the various ecosystems. We have the loose of course, situation that exists with Android OS and, of course, the concerns that people have about security. So Apple is the reverse. Everything is carefully controlled and curated. Does that have its own sort of problems for people? Well, yeah, it has, it has problems for some developers. And, you know, uh, it only recently uh, some of the uh, problems it's had with publishers. And my my part of the world, uh, you know, uh, there had been a big struggle to figure out how we were going to offer subscriptions, and Apple wanted a really, you know, too big a chunk of the money and, and uh, too much control, really, uh, from the point of view of the publishers, about um, the nature of the contact we would have with our subscribers, and you know, I think both parties gave a little on that, and we're finally seeing uh, that stuff clear out, but um, these types of uh, problems keep, keep springing up. And I think Android is, is great for the relationships of the developers and publishers and other, other uh, you know, uh, participants in the Apple ecosystem because you know, it, it gives a, another place to turn to if the relationship with Apple doesn't work out like great. It also teaches Apple sometimes that if they try too hard to prevent people from doing things well, they can go to the Android. If they go to Android, Apple loses developers. So Apple has that check and balances. You have the checks and balances in both directions. Exactly. Okay, so if I'm Microsoft and I'm seeing what Google is doing with search and smartphones, I'm seeing what Apple has done where they demote the PC to be just another. It's not the hub of your digital lifestyle anymore. It's just another device. And iCloud is the hub of your digital lifestyle. So looking at these two various competitors, what does Steve Ballmer at Microsoft do? How does he keep his company going and growing? Well, he tipped his hand a little um, just a couple days before uh, WWDC by giving us a glimpse of Windows 8. Uh, which we won't see on our desktops uh, for over a year, but uh, we got a first look at it. And this is the first operating system that Microsoft will use on its tablet computer. And basically, whereas Apple is you know uh, perfectly willing to cannibalize the Macintosh in order to push this new OS, Microsoft is still you know uh, as it's always done really you know uh, has its first priority as its legacy. So uh, Windows 8 is a full fledged window, the Windows operating system that's going to be not only on the uh, laptops and desktops but on the tablets too. So uh, when you run a, a, a tablet. Uh, the interface will look like uh, it's borrowed from the Windows 7 phone, which is something kind of similar to what Apple's done uh, for the Mac and borrowing from the iPhone and making putting iPhone a look and feel a, a little more on its uh, regular computers. But um, uh, for Apple's uh, iOS system, it's a whole new uh, operating system, whereas Microsoft says, no, 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 no. We've always supported all these places that have written for Windows in the past, and we're still going to do that. So it's like uh, window if- dressing, isn't it, Stephen? You put this veneer of the Windows Phone 7 stuff on the regular Windows, 
Therefore, that's the way they're going to do it. But then, of course, they've tried to sell tablets for years, and they didn't go very far. And you know what? When you talk to people about why their original tablet you know, initiative uh, didn't pan out too well, it's because the Bill Gates demanded that these things run full versions of Windows. They used the Windows OS, which maybe wasn't best uh, you know, uh, adaptable to uh, a, a tablet, you know, the things a tablet had to do. But you it doesn't look like it's going to change that much. It's just going to have a veneer of another theme from the Windows Phone 7, but it's still going to be a full-featured Windows. Right, I think that's, that's, I can't see how that wouldn't slow it down. You know how long it takes Windows to boot, uh, and you know. So I, I, I think you know uh, it's going to have a big effect. You know, unless Microsoft does something really magical uh, on the usability uh, and nimbleness uh, of a tablet. Part of the idea of using a tablet is that you just get instant response, and everything's really fast, and it doesn't crash so much. Right, you don't have all the extra cruft. It's just simple and basic. Microsoft doesn't seem to know that. No, no. Uh, you know, so in in a way, is it? You know, well, it was an impressive demo because it looked really nice. You know, I just I just kept saying to myself, they're they're putting the whole Windows OS on the tablet. What? All right. So how does Microsoft learn? I mean, we have people outside of the company and some investors saying Steve Ballmer's got to go, but if he goes tomorrow. You still have this ingrained leadership at Microsoft that would have to be changed to change policy seriously. If we look at Apple, for example, if Steve Jobs is gone, his DNA is part and parcel of that company, so they go on. What happens with Microsoft? How can they change things? It's not just the CEO. Right, you're right. It's it, it's not CEO. It's DNA, and uh, I guess you know uh, you know I don't want to throw Steve Ballmer out of a job, but. You know, I think uh, he can whenever, afford to basically retire at this point. <laughs> uh, so I think he, he can he can ma- manage to, to you know do with on on you know like ten or eleven billion dollars whatever it is. Um, I think that uh, you know Microsoft it, it's very difficult to give up when you're an incredibly profitable company and to like venture away from what's made you so incredibly profitable, particularly when you know you think for the next few years you're still going to be making those kinds of profits um, and, and, and give up for the future. So, uh, it, you know, it, you almost have to think that something, you know, really uh, terrible is going to have to have to, to happen. It, it, it'll have to go to the brink in terms of, you know, uh, its current business model not working anymore before Microsoft has finally moved to take whatever drastic steps it has to make to remake itself. On the other hand, uh, in the last couple of years, there has been some you know innovations that have long been brewing there that have made it out there. Uh, you think of its Connect system uh, that works on the Xbox, and that's something that, that, that that's new and fresh that Microsoft has come out with. So maybe not all is lost. So maybe they'll learn that from their operating systems, but then the sales, yeah, you know, if, they, if the sales keep stalling, they're still going to have to act fast because we have Google and we have Apple and they're moving really fast to do what they want to do. Right. Well, the, the stock markets, you know, has, has not been rewarding Microsoft for like a decade now, uh, you know, but uh, they still, you know, have a lot of money. You know, they, they bought Skype. Uh, for you know uh, eight billion dollars and uh, and basically that that's the, the amount of cash they accumulate every every quarter. So you know that that 
you know, it, it was a way high price, but you know, nothing that's going to uh, you know affect the fortunes of the company. There, the question is, how well are they going to implement integrating that into you know the rest of Microsoft? A kind of discussion that we'll have to pursue on another occasion. Where do we find more of the stuff that you do, Stephen Levy? Well, uh, besides buying in the Plex, which I know all your listeners are going to do immediately, you have to. Uh, this is going to be uh, a tremendous book. Go ahead. Yes, um, I'm. You know, I write for Wired um, uh, uh, full time, and uh, so you could find me at Wired.com. I usually hang out at the Epicenter blog, or go to my website, StephenLevy.com. Stephen Levy, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you, Gene. Since a listener said in no uncertain terms they don't want to hear from Peter Cohen anymore. He'll be here next on the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So I got a letter from a listener saying they love the Tech Night Owl Live. I guess they like me. But they're not so crazy about Peter Cohen, who, of course, is the co-host of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show, executive editor of The Loop at loopinsight.com. So Peter Cohen, because this person doesn't like you, I said, there has to be something in what you say that's interesting, so I'm inviting you back anyway. Well, thank you. Okay. So, after reading all the spin that didn't stop here, and all the stuff about Apple's WWDC announcements, do you have an overall perception, a pithy comment, or a book volume to offer? Well... You know, I really, I, I have to agree with, uh, with with Jason Snell's analysis. It really kind of felt, in some ways, like uh, Apple was sort of cleaning house. You know, was sort of um, Jason Snell from MacWorld um, used the analogy of, um, you know, a mobster movie where, um, such as in The Godfather, when um, they they sort of take care of all old business by you know assassinating all of uh, the guys that uh, that that uh, Michael Corleone had a grudge against. Um, and in many ways, uh, the, the, this week's WWDC keynote uh, felt like that because it was a lot of bad blood. It was a lot of the ugly stuff that people didn't like um, about iOS uh, that was changing. 
when it came to iOS 5. So, so that I, I, I was very excited about. Um, you know, Lion is certainly going to be a very big change uh, for a lot of users. And I think that some users um, are probably going to have to get dragged uh, kicking and screaming into using it. Um, but, uh, you know, there's certainly some, some stuff there. And iCloud is sort of the third leg in this stool um, of operating system uh, architecture uh, that, that I find very fascinating. Apple really this week laid out um, a roadmap, I, if you will, for how it is developing its software technology over the next few years. Mac OS X is clearly still a very important part of it. iOS 5 is going to be a very important part of it. And iCloud is going to be the glue that sort of glues all of that experience together. So all told, I have to say I was very impressed. If I was Steve Ballmer, taking a few beers, watching the session, I'd be in freak mode right now. Well, we all know that Steve Ballmer is a freak. Perhaps, but specifically, there's a lot there in what Apple did that's going to cause trouble for Microsoft. One of which, of course, is demoting the PC. It's no longer the hub of your digital lifestyle. It's just another gadget. Well, not just demoting the PC, but demoting the Mac as well. I mean, that was a pretty bold move uh, for for Steve to say. But he's really serious about this being a quote-unquote post-PC era, you know, and that's where iCloud comes into play. Well, let's look at this in more detail. Unusual about the way this was announced a week before the event, Apple puts out the press release. Steve Jobs will be doing some presenting there. Of course, it was primarily the last third of the session. They'll be announcing the new iOS, which we expected, Mac OS X Lion. Then they say iCloud. Of course, we all speculated, but Apple very rarely tells you in advance what they're going to do. That's true, and I think that Apple very carefully wanted to set expectations for what this WDC was going to be about. You know, going into it in the weeks before, and even leading up to the event, unfortunately, despite what Apple had said outright, um, there was a lot of speculation that Apple was going to introduce new hardware. Um, you know, whether it be an iPhone 5 um, or an iPhone 4S um, or a time capsule with built-in iCloud capabilities, there were various rumors floating around about what exactly Apple was planning to do here. But Apple, I, you know, clearly wanted everybody to know, listen, we're going to be talking about iOS 5, we're going to be talking about Lion, and we're going to be talking about a new service called iCloud. Um, so that was very smart, I think, uh, for, for Apple to, to try to manage expectations that way. Now, let's look at Lion first, because I made this prediction, and Adam Inks was here, he'll witness me saying this, and he agreed because he was on in an earlier session on the show that Apple would probably charge something near the Snow Leopard price. I said $29. Adam, I guess, agreed with me that was a good possibility. Apple, despite me, made it $29.99. You know, that was very prescient of you, Gene. I never would have expected that. That I make a prediction that was right, or <laughs> <laughs> that your prediction would be right? You know, I, I, if you had asked me a week or two ago what Lion would cost, I would have told you one hundred and twenty nine dollars. And my assumption was predicated on um, looking at what Snow Leopard was. Snow Leopard wasn't a major overhaul of the operating system. Snow Leopard, in many ways, was. Um, an iterative improvement of what we already experienced with macOS 10.5, um, only with the guts torn out to really 
optimize the experience for Intel Mac users. It was sort of, um, you know, putting the last of that legacy stuff, not the last of it, but the bulk of that legacy stuff behind and saying, okay, we've switched to an Intel architecture. It's time to optimize the the operating system uh, that is the, the core software architecture for, for all of this experience uh, to run as well as possible on this hardware. So, you know, from that perspective, I thought, you know, $30 for that was, was a pretty fair deal. Okay, great. You know, um, I'm not getting a lot of bells and whistles, but I am getting, um, you know, a nice performance boost uh, for my money here. So I was happy with that. And there, there were some changes with, with, with 10.6, don't get me wrong. But Lion is a different story entirely. Lion has uh, well over 200 new features. Uh, Lion has a pretty radically different user experience that, um, you know, is is uh, uh, inspired by um, the iOS user experience. Um, and my assumption was that it was going to cost closer to what we would have paid for Leopard or Tiger. So that was great. But I don't think... Gene, the, the, the cost of it is the big news here. I think the distribution method uh, for Lion is the big news here. I would agree, sure. You know, because uh, the only way that you're going to be able to get Lion is by downloading it from the Mac App Store. Well, what does that mean? It means, first of all, that you're going to have to be comfortable downloading a four gigabyte file, because that's what Apple um, said its, it's, it's, it's approximate size is going to be. And it, it also means that you're going to have to have Snow Leopard installed to upgrade to Lion, or you're going to have to be willing to buy a new computer because Leopard users aren't using Mac, uh, the Mac App Store. Tiger users aren't using the Mac App Store. The only people who are using the Mac App Store are people who have installed Snow Leopard or bought a new Mac with Snow Leopard on it already. Okay. So this And this kills- is a problem which I, kills some potential sales, I think. Well, it kills some potential sales, but it also sends a very strong message, and that is adapt or die. <laughs> you know, I, I think that the one blunder here, the one potential misstep that Apple has here, and maybe they'll develop an amnesty program going down the road, or you know, maybe they'll figure something up out here. I, I don't want to guess what it might be, but you know, the problem is if you've got a Leopard user, if you've got somebody who's got an Intel-based Mac running Mac OS 10.5, um, they have to do this two-step dance in order to upgrade to Lion. They they first have to get Snow Leopard now, and then you know in 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 a month they have to they they can get Lion. You know, so it does leave those ten point five users out in the cold. I feel their pain a little bit, but on the other hand, I have to ask them why the hell haven't they upgraded yet if they've got a machine that's capable? Because Snow Leopard is by all measures a a superior experience. Yeah, um, but you know, there so are a number of people out there who don't plain care. They say, well, even $29, there's nothing in there for me. Why should I upgrade? I expect there's some using Tiger. But you see, I think Apple is well, going then, to... Well, then why would, Lion, why would Lion matter to them anyway? They don't, they don't have a horse in this race. Well, you look at it this way, though. I can't see why Apple couldn't address two problems by ultimately releasing a DVD installer. The first problem, of course, being people can't download four gigabyte files conveniently. They're among the millions of people who can't get broadband internet where they live. So four gigabytes to them is might as well be 100. It doesn't make a difference. They can't get it. The second group of people who are those people who would have to buy a double upgrade 
to get to Lion. I think Apple's going to have to answer that. I realize that getting something to market, well, you know, you could have the Golden Master final release today. It's uploaded tomorrow to the Mac App Store. It's all ready to go. We'll have to answer this conundrum and many other questions. We have Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. This is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Remoter VNC. Use it to control your computer right from your iPhone, iPod Touch, or iPad. There are no monthly fees. Its price is just 99 cents. You get Mac screen sharing. You also get Windows and Linux via any standard VNC server. And again, it's only 99 cents. You can check it out at rafsoftware.com, rafsoftware.com, or the App Store. Search for Remoter. As many people know, ever since President Nixon took us off the gold standard, the U.S. dollar has been devaluating. What people don't know, however, is how this directly affects your personal finances. Is there a way to protect your portfolios from losing value? The answer to all of this is gold and silver. They both have maintained their purchasing power for 6,000 years. If you had $100,000 in cash and $100,000 in gold and silver back in 1913 and kept them until now, your cash would have the buying power of only $4,800. But your gold and silver would have the buying power of $3 million. The answer to protecting your assets is simple. Call John Ballman today at 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Get all your questions answered before your money is worth zero. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Take action today while we still accept paper dollars for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. The American people think they live in a constitutional republic. Land of the free, home of the brave. Right. Just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad IRS. Instead, use escapeharassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law, and it works. Escape Harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number, one 877 9009. That's 877 457 9009. Or go to escapeharassment.com and see our money back guarantee. That's escapeharassment.com. Remember, escape harassment works. Uh. 
Food prices are spiraling out of control. In order to survive, you will soon need to produce some or all of your own food in your backyard or small farm. Many years ago, sought-after radio guest Marjorie Wildcraft and her family began working to find the easiest ways to grow food for the crisis we are now facing. Marjorie created a video that is the fastest way to learn how to grow food. You'll learn the most efficient gardening methods, myths and truths of orchards and edible landscaping, effective predator protection, and even home butchering. Everyone is talking about Marjorie's DVD, and it's highly recommended by Jim Rawls, Jack Spurko, and Bountiful Gardens. Read her free reports on how to have a green thumb, making free fertilizer, and answers the question, do you need a gun to garden? If you want the security, savings, and freedom of food self-reliance, buy Marjorie's DVD and get the free reports at BackyardFoodProduction.com. Again, that's BackyardFoodProduction.com. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. Peter Cohen returns on the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg discussing Mac OS X Lion, but the way Apple is offering it strictly through the Mac App Store, which debuted in 10.6.6 Snow Leopard, requires 10.6.7, which has a further update to the Mac App Store, to get a copy for $29.99. If you're not running Snow Leopard, you're out of luck. Don't you think they're going to have to change that? I don't necessarily think that they have to change it. I think that they may change it. Um, but I don't think the imperative or the impetus is on them to change it, at least not right now. Going from Snow Leopard to Lion certainly gives them a significant user base to work from. And if, if you look at it from the perspective of Apple trying to attract people who have come to the Mac as a result of the halo effect, quote-unquote, of buying an iOS device, being turned on by that experience and wanting to, to know what a Mac is like, there are a lot of those folks who have bought new systems that, that have Snow Leopard on them. So Apple is dealing with you know a, a significant and active base of its users by limiting the upgrade to Snow Leopard only. Over time, though, as I said at the outset, Gene, I think Apple could do something. I don't think that they should be compelled to do something right now. I think it depends on the numbers. I don't know the numbers. I don't know what percentage of eligible Snow Leopard updaters have actually bought the copy. I understand that Apple, in the last two years since Snow Leopard came out, they've sold, what, 20, 25 million Macs. They have a user base of 54 million users. A lot of people didn't buy Macs on which Snow Leopard shipped. I don't know what percentage have purchased Snow Leopard or what percentage is still eligible, but that's where the numbers lie. If Apple thinks they can sell a lot, I guess they'd make that decision. If enough customers say, I can't download a copy, this is a big mess for me because I'm bandwidth challenged, they're going to have to make a decision. Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, it's something that I think that Apple will measure over time and figure something out if need be. But I don't think that on launch day... Apple really needs to address that. Apple certainly has enough people um, to start with who are eligible to install Lion to, to get it started right away and see how it goes. 
Also gives them a chance to make sure there aren't any last-minute bugs, no need for a 10.7.1. And maybe after that, when the dust settles, maybe they'll change their mind, or maybe not. Well, exactly. You know, maybe they will, maybe they won't. It, it, we'll, see, we'll see what happens over time. Now, another interesting development, of course, is at the same time, just before Apple's WWDC, possibly to get a little extra publicity for themselves, Microsoft shows off Windows 8. Now, there's something curious about the whole thing, and I'll tell you why. First of all, we have a statement from Steve Ballmer about Windows 8 being out next year. And then they walk it back in the PR department at Microsoft. Well, we don't know it's going to be Windows 8. We're not sure if it's going to be released when and all that stuff. It's kind of like, uh, ooh, the boss said something that wasn't right. How can you say that? If Steve Jobs did something like that, he makes a statement about a future product, and then the PR department walked it back. Steve Jobs would pick up the phone, say, in the best Donald Trump voice, you're fired. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, Microsoft did this not because they have something good to show, but they rushed this thing together with the veneer of Windows Phone 7 on a Windows interface to say, see, we're doing it too. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't really read too much into it. I mean, very little is known actually about Windows 8 at this point. So, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens um, over the long term. But, you know, I'm glad it's not a one horse race. Also, well, there's that the most important thing of all. You need competition, but is Microsoft the one to provide it? As opposed to what, like, um, you know, Google's Chrome OS or one of a million different varieties of. Of, of downloadable you know, Linux installs like Ubuntu. Well, the other issue here is, can Microsoft do it? Because it's not just putting the veneer of something on another operating system. It is making everyone believe that it's Windows in everything. Well, not for the smartphones, because we have Windows Phone 7 there. That means they're going to have a tablet out. And the tablet's not going to be a custom, a trim-down operating system designed just for tablets, it's going to be Windows 8 with a Windows Phone 7 veneer. Didn't Microsoft sort of try that without the theme all these years? Let's just have Windows in a tablet computer and nobody bought it or very few bought them. Now our only change is we'll change the theme. So it looks kind of like the smartphone version. Yeah, but if that's what the user wants, then great. The, the problem that Windows has right, or the problem that Microsoft has right now with Windows Phone is nobody wants one. You know, that, that's, that's what its whole relationship with Nokia is all about. You know, it needs a solid uh, hardware manufacturing partner that can get a lot of phones out to a lot of people. W- one of the things, one of the strategic advantages I think that Microsoft has right now, uh, short of building its own phone, you know, and this is the advantage that Apple has over Microsoft as it controls the hardware and the software experience, is that Microsoft has partnered with this company that has an incredible reach where Apple does not. Nokia has a reach into emerging markets around the world that Apple really can't compete in right now. Um, you know, take India, for example. You know, Apple has this, this, uh, this uh, um, reputation for being an expensive product, you know, that is out of reach of normal people. Um, Nokia, not so much. You know, if Nokia can figure out a way to bring Windows uh, uh, Phone 7 devices to emerging markets, 
Um, I think that Microsoft can get incredible reach in an incredibly short period of time um, that neither Android uh, nor um, iPhone can really penetrate at this point. Well, the other question would be here, of course, is that Windows Phone 7 hasn't done so well, say, for HTC. And they say they're going to continue to build them. But you have to look at this. Microsoft is pouring money into Nokia's coffers, lots of money to build this system to get the product out next year. I'm HTC, and I think, well, I'm paying Microsoft for a license for Windows Phone 7. They're not selling too well. I'm making money on Android. Why do I do this? Why do I do this indeed? Well, you know, I think that um, uh, HTC has it in its interest as well to spread its bets a little bit on uh, what sort of um, operating system environment it's going to work with uh, for its devices. And, you know, it's, it's sort of like this, the uh, people were surprised. Um, we were talking a little bit ago, Gene, about the, uh, um, the, the, the switch uh, from PowerPC to Intel. Um, by way of, you know, Leopard and Snow Leopard and so on. Um, Let us not forget, HTC is in kind of a similar boat. How does it know long-term what Google is going to do uh, with Android? Doesn't it make sense to have, at the very least, Skunkworks projects um, with uh, uh, Windows Phone 7 products and, and, you know, products running other environments um, rather than, than... putting all of its eggs in one basket, putting all of its eggs in the in, in the, the Android basket. Well, I suppose they should have other projects going on, but then you get back to the Microsoft operating system. If something isn't doing well, how long do you keep doing it before you say this isn't worth the money? We'll ask that question and pursue it with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database, so you get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. You've heard a lot lately about Zeolite, but what is it and why do you need it? Zeolite is a beautiful, complex, crystalline structure that encapsulates radiation and odors. Zeo King Zeolite naturally eliminates radiation poisoning your body may pick up from x-rays, security scanners, or nuclear fallout. Zeo King flushes environmental toxins absorbed from smoke, cell phones, and chemicals. 
so it detoxifies heavy metals, including mercury, lead, and cadmium. Zeo King Zeolite helps boost your immune system, allowing your body to balance itself and cut off food supply to cancer and parasites. Order your Zeo King Zeolite now from zeoking.com for only $39.99 and receive a free month supply with every order. Call 888-402-6779. That's 888-402-6779. Or visit zeoking.com. That's zeoking.com for natural elimination of radiation. Poisoning. Did you know that billions are spent every year just for a simple drink of water? But it's the quality of the water that Americans are concerned with, especially after floods, hurricanes, earthquakes, and other disasters that routinely disrupt and contaminate water supplies. Safe drinking water is too important to leave to chance. That's why you need an Aqua Rain water filtration system. The American made Aqua Rain is an essential survival tool that operates for just pennies per gallon. It lets you retrieve water from lakes, ponds, streams, or rooftops during any disaster and assures you of healthy drinking water. The stainless steel Aquarain's patented space-age ceramic and GAC technology uses microfiltration and gravity to purify water. No chemicals, no electricity, no water pressure needed. And Aquarain's cartridges last for thousands of gallons. Aquarain is hands down the best water filter on the market. Call 800-572-2051 or go to Aquarain.com. That's 800-572-2051 or Aquarain.com. Every family needs an Aquarain. If you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800 880 Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We're back with Peter Cohen. He's one of the co-hosts of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show. And by the way, like some of comics out there in the comedy clubs, they go a little bit blue. So we are a family show. So just make sure if you want to listen to the show, you're aware of the language is not going to be censored or cleaned up. He's also executive editor of The Loop at loopinsight.com, and they're celebrating their second anniversary. Congratulations to Peter, and congratulations to our friend Jim Dalrymple. Okay, so back to the question here. If you have a product line that isn't doing well, what do you do? You stop building it, unless you're Microsoft, where you change the name and try again. Indeed. I mean, you know, okay, so... Enough Microsoft bashing, Gene. It's it's getting tiresome. I mean, you know, Microsoft. Have you used Windows Seven at all? A little bit, yeah. What do you think? It actually looks nice. I, it's it's a, it's a hell of a lot better 
than what preceded it. It's a hell of a lot better than Vista. It's, you know, light years better than XP. All right, so uh, Microsoft is capable of engineering a workable operating system, and Microsoft is not going down the tubes. You know, there's been this this sort of, this thread in the conversation that we've had over the course of the past five or ten minutes, Gene, where you seem to want to pitch Microsoft as an empire in decline. And while it's true that Apple has made strides uh, in a Microsoft's territory in terms of uh, capturing the interest of, of desktop users who otherwise in another era easily would have bought PCs running Windows, you also have to consider that you know Microsoft still has the vast majority of the desktop market around the world. You know, and this company, while it hasn't grown in the explosive leaps and bounds in terms of stock value, in terms of overall cachet uh, on Wall Street as Apple has, the companies continue to make money. You know, the companies continue to be profitable. Ballmer has run Microsoft competently, if not in an inspired sense. Well, they're not losing money. They're not going out of business tomorrow. Please do not, please do not misinterpret what I'm saying. Sure. I'm not saying that Ballmer is a great manager or that Microsoft is a great company. All I'm saying is that we must acknowledge competence. Well, certainly, but the competence can also be that he has some responsible managers who know how to manage a buck. Although you kind of think, I think they spend far too much money in operating system development. I once estimated that Apple spent in 10 years on Mac OS X development about what Microsoft spends on any single major release of Windows. Is that right? And they're not efficient. I mean, you have to look at this. They're not efficient. And also you have to look at the long term here. And that is Microsoft now is going to think Windows 8, going to be out 2012, 2013. What do we charge for this upgrade? Will Apple change the game? From henceforth, we know Apple is going to make it $29.99 or $29 or whatever. But Microsoft will charge for a retail upgrade $199, $299. Forget the discounts for a moment. That's because they make a lot of money. That's the lion's share of their profits is from Office and operating system and server licenses. Well, I think that there, right there, Gene, if I may take a moment, reveals really where the overall corporate strategy really plays to Apple's advantage because Apple is a hardware manufacturer first and foremost. The development of operating system technology and and other software for Apple is almost a rounding error on its balance sheets. If you take a look at its balance sheets carefully, you find that the vast majority of its hard profits are from hardware sales. Microsoft can't say that. Microsoft, that's completely flipped the model on Microsoft's head. Sure, Microsoft has to make profits from the sale of software but Apple has what I'm saying is Apple the, is ha- sure. hamstringing Apple is hamstringing Microsoft. Sure, right? Apple is absolutely hamstringing Microsoft. And it's like, yeah, you know, go ahead, charge your, your charge your users three hundred dollars for a brand new license of an operating system. We'll charge ours thirty, you know, and see how it compares. You know, we'll we'll cut it down to a tenth of what yours cost, and let's see over the course of the next five or ten years what happens to your profit margins. And more, look at the server version. You want the server add-on? Make it into a server, unlimited licenses. For $80! I can't believe we've got people on the loop complaining about $80 for a server installation. What that is, ladies and gentlemen, is $29.99 plus another Yeah, 30 bucks plus 50 bucks equals 80 bucks, and you've got a server installation on whatever hardware you want to run it on. You want to buy a Mac Mini for 600 bucks, you can put it there. You could put it on a MacBook or a MacBook Air. You can get a Mac Pro, whatever iron you want from Apple. You can run it on there for 80 freaking dollars. You know, it eats eats Microsoft's server strategy for lunch and poops it. 
in a big pile of dinosaur poop. <laughs> and of course, again, Apple says the PC has been demoted. It's the post-PC era. It's not important anymore. It's just another device. It's not the center of your digital lifestyle. iCloud is. iCloud, yeah. You know, I think they finally got it right on the fourth try. Kind of recount this for listeners who don't go into the history of iTools first and later on Mobile Me and that stuff. Back in 2000, Apple rolled out a service called iTools, which was a very rudimentary way of, you know, getting services from Apple online for everyone. You know, Apple way back in the 80s had a thing called Apple Link, which was something that only authorized Apple resellers could use um, or authorized Apple software partners and so on. It was it was an inside thing. Let me you just know, tell you two quick things before you do that. Apple Links was going to become Apple Links Personal Edition and then that morphed into AOL because they separated the two things and AOL was no longer working with Apple. Then Apple later on came to work with AOL for eWorld. That's right. Another online service kind of an offshoot of AOL. That failed. This was back when I had hair. That's how long ago we're talking about, man. It was an ancient time. It was when dinosaurs ruled the the earth and when, you know, the Egyptians were building pyramids on the backs of Jews. It was ancient biblical times. That's right. So Apple didn't do well with online stuff. So then they have iTools, which is free, which somehow ultimately morphs into Dot Mac and MobileMe. Which, yep, yeah, eventually. Eventually, and they were paid services, but didn't do very well. You know, there's this beautiful story about um, how uh, Steve Jobs apparently rolled into uh, the MobileMe uh, product groups uh, area in, you know, the Cupertino offices after MobileMe rolled out and was like, you know, what is this thing supposed to do? And they explained it to him and his answer was why the f doesn't it do that then friends of ours meaning walt mossberg over at the wall street journal um you know are saying bad things about us this is not cool guys this is not the way that we want to run our business you know if it's true it's it may be apocryphal you know these things are always sort of impossible to track down in the moment uh, but if it's true it's kind of a, a beautiful illustrative story illustrative story about how business seems to get done at Apple. Well, you can imagine Steve Jobs doing this, giving these people a dressing down, saying, this has failed, it's not acceptable, we're going to do something about it, and by the way, the previous manager is going to be looking for a new job. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's great. It's great. I, um, I, 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 but I've suffered through this all this time. I was an A. I mean, I was an eWorld user. I used Apple Link way back in the day when I worked. You know, on that side of the business. So, you know, I've 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 been sort of experiencing these iterative changes, and iCloud is the first one where it's really clicked with me. As all right, this is a holistic strategy. This is something I can really find useful and. Um, compelling as a user experience. This is something that makes a lot of sense to me. And, you know, we're hearing a lot of stuff from neckbeards um, and graybeards in the uh, Microsoft and, uh, and, and Android community saying, well, Apple is stealing notifications from this service and is imitating stuff that we've already done over here. You know, and all this comic 
book guy from the Simpsons sounding crap about how Apple isn't, you know, coming up with an original idea. Apple doesn't need to come up with original ideas. The iPod wasn't an original idea. The Macintosh wasn't an original idea. Apple takes an existing idea, something that people have proven can be done, like, you know, Xerox Park uh, making uh, a, a usable um, graphical user interface. And they or- make it work, and we'll talk to Peter more about that in a moment. Peter Cohen joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Devon Think is a reliable information organizer, smart document manager, productivity tool, and more all in one. Devon Agent is your smart research assistant, personalized search assistant, search engine, and web browser all in one for the real answers when you search. Order these apps today. Use the coupon code TNO11, that's TNO11, for 15% off, all there at devontechnologies.com. That's devontechnologies.com. Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroitin 60 cap summer sale priced at only $12. Colon and Answer 250 caps summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. Go solar for cheap. Want to use solar power but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123CheapSolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123CheapSolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486. Reduce your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123CheapSolar.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Will I have garlic breath after I take LEC? 
We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is, Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against as Asthma, MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to GarlicHealthProducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or GarlicHealthProducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. Our final segment with Peter Cohen of Angry Mac Bastards Radio Show. And you can tell from listening to Peter that if he just, shall we say, takes the zipper off his mouth, you know, he's got a little corner of a zipper there, he removes that zipper, we can't have it on this radio show. <laughs> okay. That's right. Okay, so it's not the point. Pray that drugs last as, last as long as the segment needs. He takes, of course, tranquilizers. He's got the Prozac. Yes. you got the Prozac there. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Before he gives up on the Prozac and has a manic effect. Okay, so a guy named Tony Fidel, who could not sell the idea of the iPad to anyone, he went to Apple and they said, let's do it. Remember, that idea came from outside the company. Absolutely. You know, Fidel um, was a, uh, a computer science engineer at Apple that... Um that uh, succeeded John Rubenstein. Uh, and if, if you know anything about Ruby, uh, you know, Ruby was an incredibly important person at Apple, helped create the iPod. Uh, but he succeeded uh, Rubenstein um, as senior VP of the iPod division at Apple. Um, and, the, you know, this is the guy who kind of dreamed up uh, the iPad um, I- interface as a thing. Um, and it's really interesting because Steve uh, has said in interviews that the iPad was the original idea. The iPhone wasn't. The iPhone was something that came to them after they started to to noodle on the iPad a little bit. Isn't that interesting, Gene? Someone said, maybe we can take this and build a smartphone from it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting how Apple works because, again, these ideas are not original. The iPad, they had concepts of pad-based computers or tablet-based computers back in the 1970s. Aboard the Starship Enterprise and Star Trek Next Generation, (laughs) they were using iPads. They were using pads, P-A-D-Ds. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Mike Okuda. Mike Okuda is the one who came up with the original idea for this stuff. Okuda anyway. did the, the, the um, user interface stuff for, for TNG. Okay. Nerd fact. Anyway, sorry. Okay, so we continue here. Okay, so we have the iOS 5 release. Yeah. And yeah. Apple does things that answer questions and concerns from people. So notification manager. Here's the way it works no, now. Yeah. Now, now it works. You get a notice on your iPhone or iPad. Locks up the screen. Dismiss that notice. Oh, I didn't read it. Can I bring it back? No. 
Now, I guess it worked a couple of years ago. Apple has revised it. Yeah, it kind of looks like the Android version with a few Apple flourishes. But who cares? It's what works and what is integrated. Obviously, almost any idea they come up with, somebody might have noodled together a similar idea somewhere along the line. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely. And and I, I, to, to me, it's kind of a relevant thing. It, it isn't about who invents it. It's about who innovates a way to make it really usable. Um, and this is where Apple is brilliant. This is where Apple is, has been consistently different from every other company, um, basically through its entire history. You know, going straight back to the original Apple One. You know, so it's 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 great to see them continue doing it, and um, I think it's 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 important for uh, not just the consumer, but I mean the computer business anymore, but the consumer electronics industry um, as a whole, because Apple has a way of just changing things. Uh, with this sort of stuff. So, yeah, iOS 5 is, is incredibly important for the company. Now, people are going to have to wait until the fall before they can actually get their hands on it unless they're developers. So, you know, it's it's going to be a little bit of a wait for people. And I'm sure after that happens, we're also going to be seeing iterative hardware changes. You know, so I, I think it now makes crystal clear sense as to why Apple didn't have an iPhone announcement at WWDC, unlike the past few years. You know, because... Apple wants iOS 5 to be out there in the world before it starts making hardware changes again. You know, now, now that we're at that point, I think you can look at it and sort of armchair quarterback it and say, yeah, okay, that makes perfect sense. I understand now why we didn't get a hardware announcement at WWDC this year. It's not as if Apple has to do something to rush that model to market, you know? Exactly. Apple has the uh, ability to wait right now because uh, the iPhone is good. Uh, the iPhone four is good enough for now, you know, to run all the stuff, and it'll be good enough for iOS five certainly as well. The you iPhone three GS will run iPhone five, iOS five, except maybe some restrictions in the feature set. Exactly. Exactly. And this is really no different than what happened with the three G or the original iPhone either. You know, there's just sort of this gradual drop off where it's like, yeah, you can run it, but your user experience is going to be better if you come along and get new hardware. I think that's also kind of the message to people who may have leopard at this point um, and may not be willing to, to to foot the fifty eight bucks that it's going to take to get them to Lion. It's like, all right, you know, so it's it's not a lot of money. You can do it if you want, but understand that you're getting an older system with an older user experience on it. You know, at some point or another, it's just going to make sense for you to either buy new hardware or maybe just keep using what you're using forever. Either way, I don't have a lot of p- sympathy for people who are, are complaining about having to do that two-step dance to, 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 to get to Lion. I think it's a silly argument. I still think Apple will find a better way of doing it, ultimately. I think where they'll have to do it is because of the fact that a number of people, especially in the U.S., where there's so many people who don't have broadband, are going to say, I want Lion, but I can't download this. You've got to do something. And if they're going to do that, they might as well make an installer that works with older OS. We'll see. But you're not going to predict it. I don't think it's going to happen for a while. Okay. Well, let's see. I'm going to say they're going to do something. I mean, I've already lambasted Apple about this, that I think that they need to consider millions of potential customers. And the other thing here, of course, is, as some people will say about this entire thing, iCloud, iOS 5, Lion, putting people into the Apple ecosystem, immersing them, so why buy another product? Why buy a vanilla PC when I can have everything? Yeah, exactly. You know, it'll be interesting to see if Apple ever gets a 
you know, figures out a way to crack into sort of the virtualized desktop environment market, the VDE market, you know, where it's actually just selling um, the Mac experience, the cloud experience, perhaps, or an extension of the cloud experience uh, to people regardless of what hardware um, they're running it on. I think that would be the real, you know, incredible sort of singularity point uh, for Apple as an operating system developer. Don't you agree, Gene? Well, I don't think at this point you can have one singular operating system for everything. I know Apple sort of kind of is making that happen by infusing parts of the iOS and Lion. But, you know, there's still things that are going to be different about this. Yeah. Oh, for sure. No question. Things that have to be done. Okay, so before we let you go. Sir. I'm going to ask you a very specific question. Lion promise in July. Mm-hmm. Give me the shipping date. What do you think? Um, oh, ooh, good question. It's going to be July 4th. They're going to skip that weekend. My guess is they're going to go to... Hmm. July 32nd. <laughs> July 32nd. July 29th, I think, would probably be, be a pretty safe bet. You don't want to take chances. July 29th, by the way, is a Friday. That's a normal kind of distribution date for Apple. Or the 26th, which is Tuesday, because Apple does a lot of things on Tuesdays these days. Yeah, actually, no, come to think of it, you're right. That probably would make sense. You wouldn't need the 29th because this this actually would not be – I I keep forgetting. This actually would not be a retail distribution. So, yeah, actually, come to think of it, 26th, you're right, Gene. I, I will concede um, to your vision, 26th would probably be a better date. Okay, you see, remember, I predicted Apple would charge $29 for Lion. I was only $0.99 cents off. Yeah, that's right. I, absolutely. You, the, the, you're on the side of the angels here. So I wish they would send me a check. No. <laughs> Bribe me <laughs> for my services. <laughs> I wish someone would. Well, that would help. That would make things better. Tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that Peter Cohen produces. Speaking of sending me a check, uh, let's see, ZDNet, the gamification blog, um, loopinsight.com, and uh, angrymacbastards.com with the uh, provision, as Gene said before, that my podcast, We Work Blue, as they said in vaudeville, uh, which means dirty mouths. So um, if uh, you have a heart condition or you're pregnant, you probably shouldn't listen. Bring soap. Lots of soap. I won't tell you which brand until they buy spots on the show. A reminder, you can find more of the things I do. At TechNightOwl.com, that's where I have my daily commentaries. You write us news at TechNightOwl.com, that's easy. On Twitter with TechNightOwl, we have another radio show, The Paracast, about things that go bump in the night. We're going to have a future show about the men in black on The Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. A special thank you to Peter Cohen for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.